0: on 98 FM and online this is Phoenix FM
1: Welcome to another edition of the Orient Hour here on Phoenix FM with myself Chris Hood. We're back with our weekly digest of the action in E10 and I'm joined in the studio tonight by a fantastic panel of Orient assistant coach Ross Embleton former O Kevin Dickinson from Ozone Dulcet Dave Victor and hospitality host extraordinaire Barry Galvin plenty of questions and comments here already come in but there's plenty of room for more. Get in touch via Facebook and Twitter it's the Orient Hour and you can also email the studio direct radio at phoenixfm.com. Don't forget you can find our previous shows on the phoenix fm website phoenixfm.com also on itunes and android podcast and apps where you can subscribe and have the show delivered direct to your advice Before we talk with our esteemed panel, let's look back on yesterday's action and retro day as Orient hosted Barnett, an eagerly, anticipate, an eagerly anticipated National League match, uh, with both sides arriving in blistering form. Orient returned to E10 off the back of last weekend's one all draw at Halifax, James Alarby, scoring a late lake equaliser to maintain the O's unbeaten start to the season. In fact, Orient were one of only two sides to boast an unbeaten record after the opening 10 National League games, the other being league leaders Harrogate Town, two places and two points above the O. After drawing their first two home games this season, Orient had won the last three against Boreham, Wood, Dover and Solihull, scoring seven and keeping three clean sheets. In fact, the O's had conceded only seven goals this season and been productive at the other end of the pitch, scoring 16, nine of which actually had come in the last 15 minutes of matches. Mr. Barnett sat ninth in the table, 3 points behind the O's but with a goal difference inferior to the tune of a massive 10. Uh, the Bees had won their previous 5, scoring 7 and conceding only 2 with 3 clean sheets. They conceded at a rate of a goal a game this season, scoring 9 and arrived off the back of their own 1-0 win at home to Maidenhead last weekend, a 4th minute goal from summer signing Josh Walker earning the points. Relegated from League Two last season, the Bees had appointed experienced campaigner and former O John Steele as boss and started their campaign with three wins a draw and a loss on the road. And with plenty of familiar faces uh, greeting uh, each other on either side of the London derby, it was sure to be a great game. Onto the match itself, and Orient stretched their unbeaten run to 11 matches after a 3-1 victory over Barnet at the Brayer Group Stadium. The O's came out of the traps fast, Josh Coulson firing Orient into a 1-0 lead inside 11 minutes as he reacted to Charlie Lee's header. Orient should in fact have gone 2-0 up through a macaulay Bon header, the striker denied by goalkeeper Mark Cousins, uh, Barnet levelling things with a sublime Wes fungook strike in the 24th minute. Uh, Orient's confidence and flow was affected until the hour mark as James Alabi and Dal Gorman came on, a brilliant strike from James and putting the O's back ahead before uh, Macaulay Bond finished it off uh, in other action uh, around the league yesterday there was a 3-0 win for AFC Failed against Aldershot Town Barrow pulled out a 1-0 uh, draw away at Boreham Wood. Both of those goals come in, in the last 10 minutes of the game. Uh, Salfords uh, won 2 nil at Bromley. Ended Dagenham and Redbridge won at Chesterfield 1. Solihull Moores won 2 nil at Dover Athletic. Braintree Town uh, picked up a 1-0 uh, win at Gateshead. It was 1-0 between Hartlepool United and Eastleigh. Having Waterlooville 1. Sutton United 2. Maidenhead United 3-0 victors over Halifax Town. Uh, Harrogate uh, the league leaders managed to pull out a 2-0 win at Maidstone United and Wrexham uh, 4-1 victors against Ebbsfleet yesterday Uh, so after yesterday's matches Orient sit third, still two points off Harrogate in top spot and Saturday sees a massive clash as Orient travel to Harrogate with both sides putting their undefeated records on the line uh, in the only two undefeated records in the National League after the match uh, Ozone's Dave Victor spoke with assistant coach Ross Embleton
2: Ross thanks for joining us and congratulations that was a great result and performance
3: Yes, yeah, certainly. I think um, they've been on a very good run. It's a, it's a big club in this league and um, somebody that I'm sure everyone's expecting to be in and around the top end of the league by the end of the season. So the run that they've been on in recent times is credit to them. But I think we um, we started to, started well today. You know, We were, were fairly comfortable in possession but knew that at half-time we needed to take it up a notch and I, and I thought we did that in the second half and um, you know, we, we, we went from strength to strength really. And the substitutes again had a real impact. You know, they you know something that's been repeated a number of times already this season. But wherever we've tried to close a game out, we tried to you know increase the intensity and up, you know up a performance to go on and win it. Or, you know, whatever the, the motive has been from from the bench in terms of the decisions that the gaffer makes to, to put people on, the boys have come on and executed it. And I know they drive each other on. You know, it's something that we're all, always talking about in terms about it being a squad game, but per, perhaps sometimes as a. You know, from, as it coming from staff, probably doesn't always wash particularly well. But you know, listening to the boys pre-match and and, and you know in a warm-up and that sort of thing, everyone's urging each other on to have the right attitudes. There's good players that are missing out on the squad at the moment, but their motivation's been right. And I think Dal Gorman and, and and James Alabi deserve huge credit for coming on and turning that game today in you know in, in that last little notch that we needed. The work rate was incredible. Yeah, fantastic. And I think you know. James probably didn't have the start to the season and I'm sure even now you know, he's not in the team he's starting but he hasn't probably performed to the levels that he would have wanted uh, but the one thing that we keep sort of saying to him is right, like, the bare minimum is come on make an impact, ruffle people up he's a big strong boy, we know that you can unsettle teams whether you start or whether you come off the bench and I think he'd done that perfectly, well, I say perfectly but obviously a goal would have probably been the perfect one for him but he, he did that but then at the same time I think also as well Dale Gorman Got us ticking that little bit quicker. He just gives us that freshness and that that extra little edge in his passing to get us get us moving, perhaps a little bit quicker than maybe we were in the first half.
2: Three contrasting goals. Charlie Lee very significant in the opening one.
3: Yeah, was it a header across the goal for Josh Tapney in yeah. at the far post got yeah. caught up a little bit in it but yeah it was, it was um well worked you know, set piece we've, got, we've been good from set pieces this season and we've, um, we've managed to, to, to get you know, a number of goals from, from free kicks in corners so I thought it was a well guided header to the far post and if I'm right in remembering it I haven't seen it back yet but Josh just guided it into the into the top corner so yeah n- nice to get a goal like that Smashing strike from James Dayton Fantastic and I think James has always got that threat I think he showed after he scored the goal that he can go on your right foot so now that puts that element and a doubt that when he does chop back onto his favourite foot, and gets you into positions like that. Fantastic execution into the top corner. I was sitting right behind it, so to see it flying in the top corner was fantastic. Because
1: well, uh, a little bit of a strange uh, thing to go from a recording to uh, two of the gentlemen in the studio tonight. Uh, Ross Embleton joins us, uh, Dave Victor, as well as Kevin Dickinson and Barry Galvin. Uh, Ross, a rare uh, post-match performance uh, from you. What's, what's the story there? Why are you, uh, why are you being wheeled I've, out today? I got
3: an air in, didn't I? Um no, the gaffer just said to me, that was it something that I'd, I wanted to do? I've um, probably not had the experience of enjoying too many... Uh, after-match interviews that are that are of a positive nature, so uh, it was nice to go out and um, and you know answer those questions after after a good positive performance. And uh,
1: well, twenty-four hours have passed since since that match, and the emotions have died down a bit. So uh, What about the feelings of the match uh, now?
3: Very positive, obviously. You know, you know, overall, without with a season started, but certainly yesterday, I thought um, I didn't think the halves were drastically different in terms of the way that we. Uh, Applied ourselves in the game. I thought there was a hell of a lot of control on the game in the first half um, without perhaps hurting the opposition as much as we probably would have liked. Um, But I think what has come with last season and being in the, you know, being and learning about the league a little bit more is that sometimes teams come to us and it's, you know, the run that we're on at the moment, especially teams are going to come and try and make it difficult. And I think even though Barnett got themselves back in the game, they sort of sat back and slowed the ending of the first half down so it was really important that we come out and made a mark and increase the intensity to try to get through them a little bit quicker and I thought second half we, we really did that and we were, we were very aggressive and probably unlucky not to get a few more.
1: Well Dave um, Orient now undefeated uh, in 11 this season if you count the uh, well we're going we'll count the last game of last season 12 if you count the victory over Gateshead and couldn't be going much better at the moment.
2: Well, it was retro day, as you said at the introduction, and it felt like a vintage performance. Over five thousand yeah. at Brisbane Road, it. it was like the good old days, wasn't it? Yeah, was? very
3: much so. Yeah, I think it was. I think no, it's great to see that. I thought it was a great, great day. You know, looking around, seeing a number of different shirts and and that sort of thing around the ground. I thought yeah, i I'm was really impressed with the two pages. or sent pictures in the middle of the program of, of James Dayton and James Brophy in the, in the in the old kits. I thought that was fantastic. So that was a really good feel to the day. But as Dave said, there, good crowd. Good performance positive result it was it, it, you know, like it was in years gone by so. i
1: thought Kevy was going to say he was very impressed with your interview in the middle of the program which obviously was as well you cut
4: me well, off obviously obviously. <laughs>
1: obviously obviously um ignoring the soaring sales of the program that resulted from you being in the middle of it yes. and looking resplendent um, <laughs> it was a professional performance by the lads yesterday wasn't it
4: oh uh, yeah i, I thought was, well especially second half was probably as well as we've played this season I think for for an hour it was it was quite an even contest, but the last 30 minutes I think it's probably as, as well as we've played. And t- to be fair, we'd probably been harsh on Barnet, but really if we'd have taken the chances we created, it could have been five or six, couldn't it, let's be honest.
1: So you think the the, the best performance that have put in this season that well, you've seen, only, obviously?
4: We only see the home games, obviously mm. we don't go to the away fixtures, but of the home games, yeah, I think it's as, as well as we've played this season. I think second half... As Ross has already touched on, we we moved the ball quicker, and that led to us creating more opportunities. But yeah, I think it's as well as we played this season.
1: And uh, Barry, four wins in a row at home as well now, and that that is a massive turnaround for how things have been last season, the season before, and in fact the last few seasons. Yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, what's it been? That's been what 15 months since the new owners come in, and it's felt. Yesterday we were saying in the hospitality room we was doing man of the match and the kids were up there and Kemp was up there and Joby was up there as man of the match and everyone was smiling. It really felt like for the first time since the dark days that we had the, the club back. If you like, you know, I mean, it's been a, it's been a process obviously. And last season everyone realised you had to be very patient building the team, building the squad, building the club back up with the, you know the staff, the everything. The everything had to be rebuilt, didn't it, really, ground up and yesterday really felt and I said that to Kent when he was he was smiling and I said this is this is what it used to be like and this is great and this is what we want back and thanks to you guys I think we're on the right path. Obviously it's a results business and the fact that we are now winning, winning team winning games well and playing decent football is, is the catalyst that makes us making everyone smile even more. But I think that everyone appreciates now that the, the Orient is, is back is back as as Orient and what, not as a plaything of a billionaire.
1: Ross do you think it's is there anything particular that's gone into that big change at Brisbane road or is it just is it something i do not say surprise but it's something that's pleasantly surprised you more than anything else
3: I'd, I'd like to think it's not a surprise in terms of you know the work that goes into to the performances each each week um, we were obviously very conscious of our record at home last year and if you want to be successful at any level you've got to be successful at home it's, it's the building block that that you need in terms of going away it takes the pressure off of away performance you can go away you can be a little bit more conservative and, and you know have that uh, times I suppose view to try to get a point and and if you know depending on how the game evolves you can you know open up and try to go and get free but at home you need to be more expansive you need to be more aggressive I think last year we underestimated certainly from from my own perspective but I think a number of the boys would say the same thing is we underestimated the league in terms of how teams would approach games at Brisbane Road I think a lot of us Took for granted of the fact that it was a glamorous place for a lot of people to come and play football at. It's you know it's the best ground in my in my opinion in in the league, um, and it was somewhere that you, you only had to watch the opposition before the game taking selfies and the way that teams celebrated when they got a point or you know on a lot of occasions they took three off of us. They it was celebrating like it was a huge win against a team that weren't actually in the same division. So I think we we appreciate that a little bit more. And even yesterday, even though. At half-time, we were talking about increasing the intensity and everything was about how we went to go on or wanted to go on to try to win the game. In our minds, I think, from a coaching perspective and from a player's perspective, a lot of us now realise it's about also not losing the game. Last year, lapses in concentration, giving free kicks away corners, we let in sloppy goals and then gave a team who were already coming for just the point an incentive to try and hang on to a point or, or, like I said already, sometimes three. Well,
1: was, was there a tinge of disappointment then? We mentioned obviously the record and now it's four wins in a row at home. Was there a tinge of disappointment about the couple of the draws? Obviously you don't want to lose at, at, at your home base, but was there a couple, little bit of disappointment with the two draws to start off with?
3: Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, we touched obviously before the show started, we talked about how impressive we thought Ebb's fleet were when they came to us at the start of the season. Um, I still think although they've not been on a great run, there'll be a team that are in and around it at the end of the season. Um, we, I don't think we quite got going really until the first half properly as a team in possession of the ball, until we went to Maidstone. Uh, I thought we were a little bit hesitant, we were a little bit nervy, whether it's expectation or, or whatever that was. I don't know exactly the reason why I thought we were very aggressive without the ball, we defended well, but we never really imposed ourselves in the first three games on the game with the ball. Um, And then when we went to Maidhead we seemed to just find a little bit where we relaxed a little bit more, sorry I keep saying Maidstone, we relaxed a little bit more, we looked a little bit more composed and there was a little bit more thought about what we did when we were in possession of the ball and I think that's when we started to impose ourselves a little more. So to answer your question, yeah disappointed that you don't pick three points up on occasions but at the same time we didn't get beat.
1: Um, Kev, digging deeper into the game, and, and Orient, they came out of the traps incredibly fast and, and did look in that first 15, 10, 15 minutes to really be overwhelming, Barnett.
4: Yeah, and, and to be fair, if McCauley scores, which as I'm sure he he knows he should have, and makes it 2-0, it's, it's a different game, and then within a minute or two, they go up the other end and it's 1-1, and then you've got to start again, haven't you? But yeah, it's got, I think we started slowly some games at home haven't we this season and we've picked it up second half but yeah um, I would think for an hour it was quite close yesterday. It wasn't a lot in it although Barnet didn't hurt us really to be honest they had possession they were quite nice in possession but I don't think they really threatened us at all.
1: I mean Dave that uh, looking at that game and then the, the previous home game to that the Sully hole it is a real change from, from last season or in are really coming out the traps very very quickly.
2: They are, and Ross was making the point about how they were sort of not quite the same in the opening stages of the season. I think part of that is because of uh, Charlie Lee. Uh, he seems to be growing in terms of fitness, it was a very serious injury and we've got the Charlie Lee that Martin Ling wanted to sign and I was expecting prior to that uh, injury. I think he's probably fitter than he was uh, this time last year because he hadn't had a full pre-season. Obviously yeah. Dale Gorman wasn't available at the start of the season so I think the centre of midfield is stronger now than it was in the opening four games or so. and. Um, Barry's quite right, we've got to say well done to Kent and to Nigel, but I also think we have to say um, well done to Martin Ling, there were so many players that had to be signed so quickly after the 22nd of June last season, there was bound to be some mistakes. I think now we're just beginning to see the quality of some of those signings. We all knew about Macaulay bond I don't think we saw the best of Craig Clay last season. We, and um, I think in a recent episode of this show, we were talking. Uh, I heard about uh, the virus that he was having to play through. Uh, Joe Widdison looks a much better player this season than he did, uh, certainly for stages of, of last season. And James Dayton, we missed him for so much of last season. And what a
3: strike yesterday. Oh, yeah. And I'm sorry. W- I think the other one is Josh Coulson as well. That massive, yeah. you know, because he he was in the team, out the team, back in again towards the end of the season. That one sort of gets misplaced, but it is that. And I think with him and some of those people, although Dates and those and Joe widderson sort of go under the radar in terms of their personalities, but the way that they are around the group is huge. And in exactly the same way that, that we all see with George, and, and we know and we know with Josh Coulson, they lead. Naturally, like that. Charlie Lee's got the same sort, comes from the same sort of mould, but they're all very, very good, strong characters which you need to, to, to put in performances. And what
2: you were talking about last season, there was a lack of concentration, and I think Craig Clay's often summed that up, but he's, <laughs> he's on his game now, yeah. and I thought yesterday he worked
3: so hard. Yeah, I, I think so. I think he certainly stepped up um, in terms of his intensity. I think he. He's so important, and I think you miss people miss sometimes how important he is because of the tackles that he makes, the headers that he wins, the you know his ability to go box to box for lengthy periods of time. And then I also think credit to Craig is he's cleaned up a little bit more in terms of what he does on the ball as well now, and his his ability on the ball is that little bit tidier than perhaps we saw from him last season.
4: I I think actually, Chris, we, we must be one of the hardest working teams. In the league, and obviously we haven't seen everyone. And the first as well. When we haven't got the ball, yeah. I think that's a big uh, difference from last season. You know, when we haven't got the ball, we work incredibly hard to win back possession. Uh, unbelievable difference from last season. I think, I think two things. Point things point I view, think
3: you're spot on. It was the biggest thing that when Justin came in, it was yeah. the biggest thing that he he demanded. And training has gone through the roof in terms of the intensity that he expected and it was a bare minimum, yeah. um, you know, so training was very, very intense and someone like, like Young Levi has come to us from Palace, I think some people come into that environment and like, whoa, what is this all about, and I, I think anybody would, wherever they would come from, because he demands that intensity from yeah. every day, so therefore you are fitter and quicker, and then yeah. the other thing as well is, it was used as an excuse a lot last year, but it was realistic, is the fact that we never had a pre-season, exactly. so someone like even Joe Widdison, who was with us quite early on, Probably only got a four-week pre-season, and so it's and that another thing that gives us an opportunity right. to be better at what we do. It's no
4: coincidence, is it, that we're scoring a lot of goals late in games, yep. from like the 60-75 minute onwards, we've done it ever a lot, and it's obviously down to the fitness.
3: There was a lot, lot of games last game. year, sorry Chris, and i keep going on, but I think there was a lot of games last year where we finished strong, but we were always chasing and trying yeah. to get back in it, yeah. whereas now we're in it. Yeah. and we can finish strong so it's yeah, like it's if you're the opposition you must start to think yeah. well hold on a minute this lot have got another yeah. gear to go for the last 15-20 minutes
2: and you were talking after the game yesterday about uh, the impact the substitutes have had yeah, and definitely. that's been the case throughout this campaign yeah. and again a contrast to last season the bench is really strong and the yeah. squad is so much stronger stronger yeah, yeah. and yeah. Th- you
3: don't want to take anything away because everybody was here last year a lot of them were here before that and they have done fantastic things for the club to keep the, the place going yeah. And and again the same for last year when we were really scrambling in terms of players not being fit and that sort of thing so it's not taking anything away but we have upgraded in terms of the quality of those players that 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 come on that are ready to play let's say the mentality of them is 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 of a really good standard and then when they come on that they're making an impact so it
4: has been noticeable isn't it every game this season that when we've made substitutions they've all had an effect on the game and they've all made an impact again yesterday and i think you know
3: like it's really important and, and and i noticed it yesterday Martin Ling told me a couple of games ago that when you come off at the end of the game, I know we've won, but you see every member of the squad that ain't involved, however happy or unhappy they are, that they're, they're, they're yeah. out the squad yeah. at the moment, they're waiting for the rest of the team and the staff to come off and come down Excuse the tunnel, it. and I think that you know, so that means a lot spirit, and tells you a yeah, lot that, about that, that, that and, that, 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 and that, tells that you a lot about their attitude. Yeah, oh, yeah, massively
1: oh and there was there was a rather beautiful header by sam ling yesterday wasn't there oh. when the ball came up over the top of the he did hurt his head though. yeah he, did, he rubbed his head i saw i
3: saw the rub of the head i didn't yeah. see the actual header it's
1: it's up there two two of my favorite moments from yesterday um the fourth official couldn't get the oh. ball to work at the end of the first yeah, half he feed. got one
2: job yeah <laughs> he
1: it right. it looked like he got it for christmas he couldn't work yeah. out didn't he but yeah it
2: was somersault for me Have you oh seen yeah that? yeah i've oh, seen that, that in, that in some the hole yeah. yeah yeah so um yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the linesman had given something and he threw a little strop on the floor over <laughs> it. I think we were all, even Kev was, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it I was in it yes, no, the it's like,
0: it's like school teachers, isn't it? If anything happens to him, you just have to laugh, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure it's it's school oh, school yeah, school when the ball came, school came <laughs> back. hit I then just just say, back. Chris,
4: it's the first time I've seen the ref call the trainer on to give a player a drink. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's true, it did
0: happen. I
3: thought it was... Is that right?
4: didn't Yeah, when the guy, when... I don't know who cleared it, it might have been Joby. Guy, I, he I think he it might have been jo- uh, Josh or Joby, yeah, yeah, I can't remember. He hit the guy down, in the face, call, went down. called the, the trainer on. he gave him a drink. <laughs> oh, well, <off> <laughs> often... <laughs>
2: Yeah, of, often we've been sort of very critical of referees at this level, I thought he really yeah. tried to keep the game was very good, uh, going and was there good. were a yeah, number of occasions when he took a risk yeah. in terms of, you know, he, he was letting the game go and then blowing the whistle and then saying there is no advantage. I also in. like
0: the fact that he was explaining to the players what he was doing, there was a few yeah. occasions yesterday, I think there was a, an altercation wasn't there, and, uh, blew, and and as he blew the whistle everyone went to have a game, he said hang on I'm going to explain to you what I'm doing, yeah. you could see him talking to people and, and they all, he calmed it all down, Yeah, there's a couple of talkings, so, he was very good, he the referee yesterday. Yeah, are quick to criticise. Very good. When you very get
3: good. that that response from a, from a referee, then whether he, you agree with him or he's right or wrong, I think you you, you respect the, the respect, fact that yeah. he's yeah. gone out of his way to do that. I think we've had. I think the problem's been on occasions this year. You read up about a referee. Always look out to see if we've had him before and how bad he was when we yeah. had him. But when we've had a few, it's been this is his first game in the national league. This is his second game in the national league. and By no means should we get any preference as to what we get, but you think for someone who's having their first game in the National League to do Leighton Orient with five and a half thousand in front, it's a yeah, big yeah. ask for someone, yeah, it's and right. I think and,
2: it's, you know. And although the half-time board didn't work, I think mm. it's probably better that it didn't work than actually putting the wrong figure. <laughs> <out>. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah. thought at one stage
0: he <laughs> was just going to hold some fingers up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like this.
1: <laughs> well, we could we could see it from where we were. That it was two yeah. minutes, but no one else no, <laughs> <laughs> no one else could see what it was two, Well, it looked like two hundred and fifty nine. He, he, he said to me,
3: "It's not working," but he'd actually put a number on it. I
1: said, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did anyone change the batteries? That's right. Well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, David Barrett on Twitter and then we do like to get your messages on Twitter um, The Orient Hour Facebook and Twitter uh, also email us direct radio at com. and we're talking there about uh, Craig Clay uh, what do you put Craig Clay's massive improvement this season down to is it solely having had uh, proper pre-season uh, i.e. fitness
3: I think he knows yes I think that, no no the answer to your question is no I don't think it's solely that I think he would have really um, really taken a lot from being in the team last season I think I um, think some of the players probably underestimated what pressure there was with being a late and Orient player and the expectation of play, you know, playing at this club in, in the league that we're in last season. And Craig probably would have been one of those, although he's had success in this division before and he's played at a very good level. I think he probably would have been one of those that maybe underestimated that responsibility of playing here. And I think he probably would have benefited from that. I think he certainly worked hard over pre season, like I say, on how he works with the ball. We, I think, we get him into good positions now that suit him, so that he, you know, he gets the, the time or he works in the areas that are a little bit more suited to, to making him, you know, better and making more of an impact in, in, in games. Is he a confidence player, Ross? Because confidence is, a,
0: is, a, you can't put your finger on it, can you? But if you have a couple of good games, some players all of a sudden, they every, every game they think they're going to have a good game, don't they? And if you have yeah. a couple of bad games, conversely, their head goes down and they think, oh, I'm going to lose the ball, etc. I
3: think, I think he probably knows that he's um he's valued as you know that might sound like a bit of a soppy comment or soppy thing to say but i think he, he knows that he's valued now you know at the start of last season alex and, and until Chaz, charlie lee got injured they were both the first two that played and perhaps craig thought in his mind that i'm sort of second or third choice you know whatever way you want to look at it um then he got that run of run of games once in the latter part of the season when like dave says he was playing with a virus um And it was tough for him but he got that run of games in the team and then when he's come back in he's this season he's you know he's he's been the man in the team if you like so that must give you a little bit of a boost as well to know that the gaffer values you and and wants you in his team
1: well the the important thing though Barry yesterday was the fact that Orient were in top on top earlier on and they did get that early goal and Josh Coulson scored after 11 minutes and it has been the case at times where Orient have come out of the blocks not got the goal and invited a little bit of pressure
0: yeah, uh, and as kev says we we all thought when um, when bond equalized that, that that miss from uh from um Macaulay bond might might come back to on but fair play to in this year rather than the, rather than fold um they've they've, they've looked like they've, they believe that they're still going to win the match um the last few seasons I don't know what to talk about boy once we conceded goal we just everybody ran a stadium that the, the, obviously everybody well, oh we're going to lose the match now we're going to concede we're going to concede another one and the body language and the whole atmosphere but now we've got that winner's mentality that belief that comes from having a good team a good squad a good you know, a, a good pre-season etc I think that's the difference you know for me myself personally as a fan when they equalise I thought okay back to 1-1 that was a good strike but we're still the better team. Yeah. We're still going to win this match, I believe, and we did.
1: And I think the thing you were talking about with Ross just before we went to air was was Charlie Lee was certainly surprising me from from set pieces. He had uh, yeah. the, the goal that he scored uh, against Solihull. Probably should have scored. a yep. Chance before that, it yeah, he just done, went yeah. just wide. His header yesterday is the thing that goes to Josh Coulson, and puts it in, and for a man who physically you would think from corners, he's not. You know, he's not the tallest. He's not. The biggest. No, he's one, one I've not really getting,
0: got to hold of the mic up to when I interview him. You know. Yes. Well, there you he's go. One, that one that, one that, proves, that yeah. proves the yeah. point then. Yeah. Yeah. But he's,
1: <laughs>
3: he's, he's still getting in and Kevin around there. Kevin Dickerson,
0: Dane Cucks.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> he, Elliot had to lower the camera yesterday for me, so I know how that feels. <laughs>
1: so yeah, he's 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 obviously a guy who's who's still getting in in amongst it on corners. Yeah, I
3: think we um, again we never saw Charlie Lee for what Charlie Lee was last season. Um, because he only played such a minimal amount of football. And I know, certainly, people have said it to me at the start of this season, when, you know, after the run of draws that we had in the first few games, that I feel like we get overrun in midfield a little bit and not sure if we need another midfield player. No one had seen Dal Gorman, because he was injured so, you know, so quickly after coming into the club. Um, Chaz hadn't had that real run of games to get himself and get his, you know, his energy levels up. And he'd lost he lost a lot of weight from when he was, when he got injured to when pre-season started if you like um, I know a week or two ago it was actually like the anniversary if you like of the day that he'd done, done his injury and in that time he's lost a lot of weight um, so that's huge credit to him he's given himself the opportunity to impose himself on games and I think when you come back from an, an injury as severe as that it is about playing four or five games on the trot over pre-season he had a pre-season and it was still he was still a little bit rusty and it's probably why he never got in the team Away to Salford, he was still tr- catching up a little bit, and, and now he's had that run of games, he's given himself a chance. You mentioned injuries, he obviously came off injured
2: yesterday. Yeah. What's
3: the news? Well, there? I was a bit worried because as he fell down, I see him hold his knee, and it was one of them where he was off the floor and he landed, and the guy nudged him. It wasn't a foul, and I see him hold his knee, and I thought, oh, it's going to. Please don't let it be one of them subtle little things that gets him injured but he said it was actually like he just sort of rolled his ankle and it had an effect on his neck by the time the game had finished it was just his ankle that was sore so he was confident enough he was moving well enough at the end of the game so it's not, hopefully not anything for us to worry about.
1: And we touched there on, on set pieces and, and, and that goal and Orient have been good from set pieces. Yeah. Um, how much of a focus do the team put on it? Cause there was a little bit of criticism that I'd heard last season that Steve Davis perhaps concentrated too much on it and the stat about how many goals have been scored from yeah. set pieces. So what's the focus on it at the moment?
3: I think first things was when the gaffer came in, his principles I suppose about set pieces was about delivery and desire. And if you haven't got the delivery, it's going to be very difficult or the quality of delivery is going to be very difficult for you to score. And then if you haven't got desire in the box to lose your man, to to block someone else's man, to, to go and put your head in where you need to go and put your head in to score, then you're not going to do that. So that was his first principle. So when he came in, we never particularly worked on it a huge amount. What we did work on a lot um, because of our record um, before Justin came, we looked at a lot of the goals, Dean and I, before Justin came in, and it was a lot of, from wide areas and crosses and obviously set pieces, corners, free kicks. So we do work a hell of a lot defensively. There's always a session once, if not twice a week on defending the box so that the boys have that mentality of defending against your man, not losing, not switching off, first and second, you know all the cliche type things. But what this league's about. So many teams just put the ball into the box and hope that they're going to get, get something from across. So that's a big thing. So the, from an offensive point of view, Webby does a lot of work in terms of informing the boys. He looks at a lot of the information with with Joe Austin, our analyst, on what they might do set pieces-wise. So they'll cover whether they like short corners, things to the far post where their real big threats are. And then, again, from an offensive point of view, he outlines to the boys exactly... What we go type of runs that we make, and then obviously it's down to them once they go on the pitch to be aggressive enough to lose their and to make the right runs, and then for Joby, for James Dayton to put the ball into the areas that we're going to be be dangerous from. So it's a it's a number of different things, but I think you know the work that Webby's done on that. We 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 work on it in different ways for a video, and then other times we'll we'll walk through them and that sort of thing. So. There's a number of different ways. We want to keep it fresh and, and, and new for the boys so it doesn't become stale. And I think that was probably something at the beginning of the last season that, that we certainly were guilty of is, is spending too long on it.
1: And um, Charlie Lee was quoted by uh, George Sessions in the East London Advertiser this week, Kev, talking about the lads doing the horrible stuff better. Do you, do you think that's, that's right?
4: Well, yes, it is. Certainly, we've just touched on that. We are saying like, how hard we work when we don't have the ball. Unfortunately, it's part of the game, isn't it, Chris? It's not all about passing it nicely. You've got to be difficult to beat. You've got to win the ball back. You've got to work hard. So definitely, we're better this season. Definitely, without a doubt. Um, obviously, I would think I don't know, Ross, say you must work on that a lot. I think Your that training. first
3: comes comes from what like I said, what the Gaffer instilled yeah, straight away about exactly. the intensity of training, the desire to work. How many times in different periods of the game do you see Joby shutting a fallback down? Uh, the yeah. biggest one I remember last season which was almost like the instigator of it all was when we beat Sutton at home and I thought we ran them into the ground but there was moments towards the end where Joby was chucking himself into tackles it led to a goal I think it was a third or fourth goal uh, but you see that a lot James Alabi yesterday Macabon, Josh Karoma uh, Dan Holman so at the long end long. of the last season people yeah. willing him Matty Matt, when he come on last night it's probably not Matty's biggest strength but put himself about makes rushes people up and, and I think in the league that we're in if you can put people under that sort of in, intense pressure they're not going to be able to execute what they want with do, the ball you, and then sorry do, that defending the box is so important because people just put the ball in the box so often well, so. It's it's during 90 minutes uh, sorry
4: because uh, how many times not so much but last season the season before we sat here and said oh Crossing the box, free header. Yeah, go. how many yeah. times have you
0: seen? Yeah, we, we just feared for it. Every time I yeah. came to the box, we yeah, feared exactly. the goal. Didn't we? But during ninety minutes of a football match, I'm not a statistician. But how much, how much, how many of those ninety minutes have you actually got the ball at your feet? You know, have even you if you're one. even if you're a really influential player in the midfield, you, yeah. you know, the majority of the game of football, ninety minutes, you haven't got the ball, have you? Okay. So it's very important that you work on. I'm not telling you, and, Ross, you take, No, no, no. You spot on, yeah.
3: and take pride in it. That's <coughs> yeah. the big thing. I think part potentially. Of it might have been yeah. a bit of a snobbery last year. Of we'd, we'd be good with the ball, and we try to win the game, and the, uh, there's definitely that mentality before we go out before the game. The big reminders, and from the boys, I think is the biggest thing that I, I see and hear is defend the box, intensity without the ball, all them things, and mm. then you give yourself a chance to go and be good well, you, in you the, have the game. To win the battle before yeah. you can
4: play. Hundred percent.
1: And, uh, well, we've touched on it a little bit, Dave, and the, the game turned on that double substitution. Charlie Lee and Josh Carroma coming off, Dal Gorman and, and James Alarby on, and then the game just swung on that moment. We haven't seen lots of uh, Dal Gorman,
2: but everything I've seen, I've been really, yeah, really impressed. He's, he's quick. Uh, he's intelligent with and without the ball, he takes up good positions he's very aware of what's happening I would imagine last week was very helpful for him, Mm, he uh, was the captain 60 minutes and a victory over Luxembourg came on off the substitutes bench in Northern Ireland, under 21s beat Spain that's a fantastic result that must have been so important to him James Alarby I think I'm going to enjoy him he he, he is such a bag (laughs) of tricks Uh, and I think um, Justin was saying he needed to believe in himself and he came on with uh, an intent because I think psychologically that late equaliser against Halifax would have done him an enormous Massive amount of amount. good, uh, and you got the belief. There was one instant yesterday when he got into the penalty area, I think twice he looked up, trying to find the angle, and in the end he went for goal. But yeah. he, he's going to be a real impact, and I think a very exciting player. We were talking about this season and last. For me, there's a balance about the team now in terms of the age. I mean, Marvin Eckpotetta and Miles Judd. I've been really impressed with the progress of yeah. Miles Judd and the way that he's seized on that opportunity yeah. that, uh, because of Sam Ling's uh, injury. And there is a balance. I think in the past, it's either been too young, aside, or there's been too many over 30s. But there is a balance now. So,
0: Martin Ling, we interviewed Martin Ling before the game yesterday in the, in the hospitality suite. And um, he said that. He said, We had so many, just what you picked up on, Dave. He said, We had the youth team players. And we had a couple of players that were over thirty, Joby, etc. They said we didn't have anybody really between twenty-two and twenty-eight. It's sort of the prime of their footballing years, and that's what the players they were trying to identify to bring into the club. So you, I think you think they're now on to head there, mate.
1: And uh, well, talking about James Allaby, and I think you were you were quoted in in the paper uh, earlier this week, Waltham Forest Guardian, and, and about his attitude and, and his application, and he just he came on yesterday because the, the strength, the hold-up play, just generally. Making the nuisance of himself, and that brought everyone else into the game.
3: Yeah, very much. So I think um, when he got when he got sent off, which was was foolish, you know, in terms of the tackle that he went in for at Gateshead, and probably some frustration off the way the season had started for him. But I'm sure it would have been understandable a little bit if he'd have come in with his tail between his legs on the Monday Monday morning, and and you know perhaps felt a little bit sorry for himself. But he didn't. He come in with a real desire and a proper attitude to work hard. And and I was really, really impressed on that Monday in a small group at training, how he imposed himself and pushed his chest out and said, I'm going to have another go at it. Last year was such a tough year for him. And I, I when I when I speak about him within the staff, I talk, talk about him in a similar fashion to how we found Abu Adams when he came here last year. Abu had forgotten how to play football in terms of... He'd been sat around in 23s football, gone out on loan, sat around, never really been involved, never played a huge amount, come back and and almost lost his identity as to what he was. And then as he started to play more games, he got that back. And I think that happened to James. He had a tough year last year. He, He was signed at a big club, never really happened for him. Then he was farmed out here and there and probably lost his way like that and probably came in at the start of the season and didn't really give us or show a lot of people in games exactly what he was about so we've been talking to him about that and it, his attitude and his intensity like I said about about training he's got to grips with all of that now and, and I think yesterday he come on and showed off the back of coming on and getting a really really important goal for us but for but for him personally he showed that little edge and that, that bit between the teeth and I'm not sure anyone can cope with a lad like that putting themselves about like in the manner that he did towards the back end of the game a- if, you, if you're a defender and he comes on in that with that frame of mind, I don't know how you cope. He's a new Tahoe, isn't he?
0: Or a Jabo, or a Jabo, <laughs> someone like who just causes a lot of problems for the opposition defence,
1: yeah. Well, he missed a couple of great chances yesterday, yeah. Kevin, and did, a couple of times he had the chance to, to put someone else in, and it, the, the pass was just a, just a tiny little bit awry, and um, if he had the element of that game yesterday, it could have been a cricket score and he could have had a couple. Wildcard, card, I think, had to go down as his performance yesterday.
4: Yeah, no, it was a good performance. I think we spoke earlier, didn't we, in the season? when he first came and he was in the team then, that we wanted him to be more aggressive because he seemed like a gentle giant. I mean, he's got all the attributes. He's big, he's strong, he's quick. That's what we wanted, a more aggressive performance from him, which we got yesterday. Okay, maybe a bit more composure in front of goal. We could have got himself a couple, but that's what we want. That's what we want from him, isn't it? You know, on a regular basis.
1: Um, We've got a question in from uh, Matt Roper and uh, it tallies up with another little question as well. A question to Ross. Does Ross believe that the unbeaten run has come about because of far more cohesion between the team and that we now appear to have a squad that is far less fragile than last year and have winner's mentality or is there something else that you can identify? That's been followed up uh, earlier on by uh, the gentleman Kent on the forums. What are the most important factors contributing to this early season good start? given a few examples to get in the togetherness of the group, fitness, confidence, new signings, the Brisbane Road pitch, or all of the above.
3: Great answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it is. It's a, we've covered a lot of it already about about season I think a real big moment for me last year and, and, and how I looked at we all looked at the squad was when we got beat away to Gateshead in the cup. We could have. I think there was about nine, ten. Might have been 11 games to go, league games. And I remember looking, thinking, right, this is, from, for, from a staff's perspective, we can use this to build for next season. But then you also need to look at the mentality of the boys to say, right, there's, there's that amount of games to go. We're not going to go down now in, in terms of how, how things had been turned around. We wasn't going to go up or get in the playoffs. So what was their motivation going to be? And, and we spent a lot of time as staff in any meetings that we had and, and, and like when we were looking at the opposition always talking about this season, about building for this season and how we were going to use every game between then and the end of the season to be ready to come back for this season. And I think the boys grabbed that with both hands and then we went to Gateshead on the last game of the season and we obviously we'd come off the road and we lost one or two games and, and, draw and it, we, never, we, never, we never won the last 10-12 games of the season. but what there was was that little bit more desire and understanding about building for the, for the next season. So we come back with a real positive vibe about about the beginning of this year. Um, and then we went to Gateshead last game of the season and it was like, wow, one team in a place above us and we come out like men possessed. In the final game of the season, the sun was shining, everybody was ready to go on holiday, but we come out really, really aggressive and run all over them, if you like. Um, and it gave me a real good feeling about exactly where we wanted to get to and where we were by the time the season ended so when we came back it was like we didn't need to start again we needed to have a good pre-season we needed to keep everyone fit we needed to get everybody organized in the way that we wanted to play but the preparation had already started and all of those factors that whoever's just answered the question for me on there just said are all big factors you know Colin had a real tough time with the pitch last year because of the years of neglect that the Pitch was probably an outcome of so many other things that had been neglected, but in his job, he was never going to going to save that pitch or have it to the levels that we wanted to. So it was always tough playing at home. wasn't a reason why we, particularly why we won or lost on occasions. But it's another little thing that we've added that the club have done really, really well in order to give us a chance to to perform properly. So I think all a lot of those things there, and like I say, the preparation that went into the back end of last season, and then the boys sort of signing up for that, if you like, and not doing what perhaps someone like Eastley with not a lot to play for, seeing the season out, we went, no, 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 this is where, we, where we've got to use, use it for, for next season.
1: I've got a question for you, Dave. Coming from uh, Robert Demander on uh, Twitter. A question for Dave Victor: Does he still think his commentary for Jens Jensens' goal against Blackpool is his finest work? <laughs> uh, this weekend, scored a goal. <laughs> this weekend's quite quite a severe haircut made it onto my top five list. And after this, many years of listening to uh, Dave from Stockholm. First of all, talk us through the quite a severe haircut comment.
2: Um, well, I was talking about Charlie Lee. Oh, okay. uh, but I think uh, Robert enjoyed the fact that it was, we were playing Barnet.
1: Okay, you know, oh, like okay right. <laughs> right. I,
2: I understand that there was a, a complaint um, for the Halifax game. Um, it was uh, Paul Hiscock who often joins us at half-time for the conversation. He, he watched what happened at the end of the game. Uh, there was a director from uh, Halifax, uh, formerly with the blades and the tie, and a supporter had come to find him to complain. Uh, about um, the way Matt and I um, sort of celebrated after the equaliser, really? <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> because you are very much around with, with the supporters, and we what? probably did yeah, get yeah. Uh, well, carried away. Um, and Jan Yancy's goal at uh, Blackpool was very unexpected, and uh, yeah, it, it, in its own way, it was. it was. It
1: was your very own. Your lads took one hell of a beating moment, <laughs> I think. Was, <laughs> it
2: was a bit like that. Uh, I'm just Who looking Who did you name, to, Dave? I'm just looking forward to doing the commentary on Leighton Went's first goal back in the football. Oh, game. there yes, we too. go. Yeah, See. That's smooth really this smooth. That's all, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I want to talk about a touch on as well because you played this little recording before the game um, John Steele wasn't happy at the end um, can you tell us a little bit of what his comments were after the game
2: I do enjoy John Steele's interviews I've I, I, I worked after games with John for many years I think yeah. first when he was at Leytonstone and all the way through the different clubs um, and he always has this sort of uh, you know we are Dagman, we are Barnett you know he's going to say that um, but he was angry yesterday he, he was angry because they were passing too much you know he, he likes it more positive uh, he didn't like all the Barcelona as he called it you know explain <laughs> things I think that was because late night were pushing them so far forward they were a little bit sort of timid of the Os I thought yeah. that was uh, probably a compliment to, to late night but he, he didn't see it that way and uh, um, uh, Jonathan Blake he was doing the interview uh, finally asked John how are you going to prepare? Uh, for next week, he said, "Well, at the moment, I just put them in the dressing room and shoot them."
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, expect a few changes uh, maybe in the, in the dressing room uh, coming up this uh, this weekend. Um, obviously, Harrogate's coming up uh, next weekend, and um, what influence do you think the 3G pitch is going to be having? Are already, I Dave mentioned we already won on the pitch at, at Maidstone, but a yeah. um, little bit of different top of the table team in, in form.
3: Favorite comment uh, favorite song of mine last year was hearing the fans singing "Unbeaten on Grass" away to Woking. That was a, was a good <laughs> one. That, but um, it obviously pl- it has a has a you know, it plays a big part in what's going to happen at the weekend. I'm sure it's a you know it's, it does make a difference. Whatever anyone says, it does make a difference. It is an advantage to the op- opposition because they're playing yeah. on a completely different surface. Last year when we played Sutton and Bromley, we trained on three G before both games. We got to the games and they were completely different three g's to the one that we played on so as, you know everyone probably thinks oh, it's an astroturf football pitch bromley's is different to maidstones maidstone's different to sutton's sutton's i'm sure is completely different to Harrogate's. so we won't train on on it before the weekend because we'll get there and it'll be a completely different surface the lads don't particularly like training on it unless we really need to and the pitches are out of play at the training ground so for their for their bodies, for their welfare, for their sanity, I suppose. We'll we'll keep them on grass for for all the sessions that we do with them this week. Um, and then we'll go there. And, and like anything, when we go away from home to Guiseley last year and the pitch was in the state that it was, we turned up and it looked fantastic. You walked on it and your feet sunk. So it was, you're going to turn up and get that on grass pitches. We're not going to be able to replicate that particular pitch when we train on a Friday at the training ground. So we'll go into it, we'll prepare in terms of the way that we want to play the way that we apply ourselves, all those things don't really change. What happens when the ball bounces and if it bounces any different to how it does on our home pitch, lads are going to have to deal with that at the weekend. We can't stage that unless we go to Harrogate and train on their pitch, which obviously isn't going to happen. There's no way of recreating it.
1: Um, Terry Lofts via our email. Uh, Ross, do you believe uh, football is played in the mind as well as the body? And if so, how do you determine how to best motivate players going through a bad patch? Is it carrot or stick?
3: It, the massive part of it is in the mind, hugely. You know, like we've we've touched on all the physical things and the fact that we're probably a little bit brighter in the way that we play the game with the ball this season. But it's massive in terms of the mental state that the boys are in. You know, I, I was part of that miserable run that we went on last year and it, there was a lot of surreal moments after games and and, and and on a monday morning or the day after a game when we when we got the boys back together again about how they were going to we were going to lift each other they tried so many different things and i think once confidence is low people look a little, little less energetic and all those things that, are, that become very very difficult so it is it's a huge huge part of the game and i think like you say when the boys have that extra uh, focused, you know that concentration lasts longer now that they're in a positive frame of mind. They know that they score goals late on, so they're going to keep going. They know that physically they're prepared to keep going and, and ready to run for ninety four, ninety five minutes. I think those factors, when you're doing well, obviously give you that extra little bit of bit of something to
4: you know to try to get back in a game or or, or or to see how to win.
1: Um, Kev, how did you respond to different types of motivational techniques? Well, I
4: was just going to say that when you're saying carrot or stick, it it really depends on the individual, doesn't it, who you're you're dealing with. Some people will react to the carrot, or some people will react to the stick. It depends who who you're dealing with. Some people need a kick up the backside. Others
1: need an arm around the shoulder. It I mean, lo and behold, we suggest that you were ever in a poor run of form, Kev. But Never what did ever you. What happened, did you? Pre- well, no. In theory, Never let's ever. go in theory <laughs> what you would have preferred. Yeah,
4: what would you have um, done? Probably kick up the backside myself. I don't think I'm an arm around the shoulder sort of person. Right, I'll, be bear that right I <laughs> think,
1: I'll bear that in mind. I'll bear that in mind next um, time on the gantry. Yeah.
3: I think the thing is as well now is that we all have this image of, like, right, do you shout at Charlie Lee before kick off and put your arm around Josh Coroma? it's a, it's an ongoing game thing throughout the week to get them prepared yeah. for games it's what you do on a Thursday and Friday and you know someone like Macabon will want to continuously work on something in particular so he knows that when he goes into a game on a Saturday he's fully focused, yeah. fully prepared. Marvin Petit are very similar. Um, Charlie Lee probably needs to be a little bit more pumped up. Joe Widderson keeps himself to himself the image you see of Joe he looks very out on the back. pitch he's that's always he is, laid back, that's yeah. his persona and that's his, attitude. Dean Brill is Screams his head off in the change room exactly the same way he does when he's out on the pitch. So you can't, like, you know, exactly the same as what Kev said, you can't blanket all of it. And you can't do it all on a Saturday, quarter of an hour before kick-off. It's an ongoing thing throughout the week to make sure everyone feels in the way that they need to feel to go out If everyone's front.
0: got a different sort of reaction, I understand it, obviously. Yeah. But pre-match, right, when you're in the dressing room and yeah. the music's pumping out, blaring yeah. out, who chooses the music?
3: Josh Caroma. Josh Caroma. yeah. Josh Karoma. Josh yeah? Karoma. Um, cool. Juddy had a go at it last year. It was useless. Yeah. Um... Josh Coulson, boy from Cambridge, but he somehow managed yeah. to get some music that motivated the rest because of the boys. Because they can else, motivate yeah. you, so yeah. sure.
0: I played in the team and I, I got to choose the music and we played Firestarter before when you know, the uh, yeah. prodigy and uh, we got two sent off in the first twenty-five.
3: The I was done. one of them. <laughs> 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 the music's done by Josh Caroma now. and right. he, I, I wouldn't saying it's on my uh, it's on my playlist. phone but it's uh, you, know, you you get used to it then you <laughs> it's not a load of words but I don't know can you singing?
4: imagine John sitting as our captain <laughs>
1: what on firestar? Huh? <laughs> um, I don't
4: think you needed firestar. Uh, <laughs> no, you
1: touched on Juddy there it is something that came controversially out on um uh, the O show this week and it was him and I think it was him and Josh wasn't it I think yes. talking and um, Juddy denied that he was the least intelligent member of the squad and that a lot of it is uh, built up can you confirm or deny
3: I'll confirm it happily that he is definitely in my opinion the least intelligent player in our squad um, he'll point his finger at Charlie Granger because I think somewhere along the line somehow he got better exam results but um yeah, in my opinion, some of the things I hear and come. I mean, he even tweeted the other day four game, four clean sheets, and it wasn't. It was free. So I mean, <laughs> if that that doesn't tell you what the, type of character five percent
0: alcohol in. one is
3: that Ross yeah, was it? I don't know.
0: Someone, really. someone, what we talking about. But they, they had a glass and they poured half in another glass and he said, so now it's 10% <laughs> I said, it was well, ten percent alcohol. Sorry, ten percent. No, now it's five percent. Last season it was half.
3: Last season the boys yeah. were talking about someone. They went, yeah, he's from Gloucester, and he and he was no, 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 he's from Gloucester. <laughs> that was another one we got from him so the uh, evidence is there in my opinion
1: good player though intelligent player on the pitch intelligent player on the pitch
3: and Dave mentioned it earlier he's, he's had an excellent run of games he's done really really well um, I'm pleased for him because it was another one that wasn't, in, wasn't involved I think sometimes when you're a fullback you don't get especially with five subs you don't get that opportunity to be on the bench because you're not a direct change um, so you're either in the team or you ain't, and he, he's, he's taken his opportunity. Really. And
2: you made the point about how vocal Dean Brill is, and I'd imagine that's very helpful with the back four, because yeah. it was something that obviously Charlie Granger wasn't ready uh, to sort of exert himself in the same way that Dean Brill seems to enjoy that world, doesn't he?
3: Yeah, he does. I think, um, I know that Dean's experience of coaching has added even more to him. And I think we hear him, but I think if you actually get the opportunity to listen to the information that he gives to people, he, he actually did it times last year. He jumped in a training session if if we needed a keeper or whatever. And he's, he's, the actual information that he gives to people about turn on your left, turn on your right foot, the pressure's coming from here, tuck in on it. You know, he's obviously excellent with his basic information, but his detailed information that he gives to people. He's, he isn't just a screamer and shouter. He, his coaching experience, I think, has added even more to his goalkeeping.
1: Um, Paul Nice has got in touch uh, via email, um to talk about uh, James Alabi there Um, sounds like James Alabi could be a rough diamond in the making Ross
3: Yeah, you know like because he had the season last year and I know Tranmere fans have been a little bit vocal about the season that he had there I think people have forgotten that he scored an absolute bucket load at Chester the season before and he was a real threat and he had a a real good season Um, so I'm not sure he's as rough a diamond as we think he hasn't had a great you know, start to the season here, but I think he's what he is, and the way that he is. Like I said earlier, probably lost his way a little bit, but there's there's qualities in there. yes that you see sometimes not just the fact that he come on and bashed everybody around, but he took some good passes under pressure. He took he held the ball up well and brought people in. When we took completely took the sting out sting out the game in the last two or three minutes, he was there trying to get on the ball, get it and pass it and move it quick. So. Yes is the answer to it. I think, I think we will see a good player evolve and develop over the coming months. But I think we also have to remember and give him a little bit more respect, I think, uh, in terms of the, you know, the, the background that he's had and some of the clubs that he's played for as well.
1: Uh, Craig Glash from uh, Champs have Got In Touch uh, via email. Has the camaraderie changed amongst the squad since the new gaffer came in or is it obviously just better at the moment because of the run that you're on?
3: The, the camaraderie has been very, very good. It's always been... It's always been a good group in terms of you know sharing that sort of camaraderie together and and, and the atmosphere was always good even though, even when we went through you know that, that rough tough time there was still a there was no real bad characters really around the group it was just i think a little bit more trying to unite that group a little bit more trying to bring that, that group together to help that flourish and try to develop the the attitudes that, that, that we've had this season so far.
2: The player we haven't mentioned tonight is Joby McAnuff, the skipper. And, and when you were talking about that um, the camaraderie, he is a natural leader. He doesn't just shout at people. Often you see him talk to uh, Josh Cromer after, you know, uh, he's clearly disappointed with something that he's just done and he sort of, he's constantly t- talking to the younger players and yeah. he, he leads by example, doesn't he? Uh, it,
3: it, He is as good a a player. I think you know to to talk about him as a professional takes away the edge of how good he is as a footballer. I mean, he he played at the level he has. You have to be top class. But he is different class in everything that he does. He's never as a down day. He's never you know. If he's not you know if he's not out training or if he's you know if he's he's in a recovery session, he's always having an impression on the on the group. He'll do. Extra sessions with the likes of people like Josh Garoma, he'll help people like Bates and and you know, you know players that are probably in and around not his age, but you know he's he, the levels of experience some of those players have had. So he has a huge impact on all the squad. And I think, like you say, there with the camaraderie of bringing everybody together and 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 making sure that that group is united. He he is perfect from a staff perspective in terms of delivering a message and making sure that people's standards are right especially at this time you know like at the moment we can sit down and say that we're all excited and happy and you've got to enjoy the run that we're on but at the same time you've got to try to hang on to that as long as you possibly can and I don't mean necessarily winning every game or staying unbeaten for the whole season I mean hanging on to that feeling in the group that those levels those standards to keep driving on every single day and not just be happy with the fact that we had a really good performance against Barnet yesterday but going again and again and again to, yeah. to keep getting better I think near are things that Certainly from us as staff, we need to continue to aspire to to achieve the next level all the time. And Joby delivers that perfectly. And I think you're right, Dave, to to touch on that. He's the perfect example of that.
1: Well, we'd better wrap it up there. That's it for another edition of the Orient Hour. Thank you to my guests tonight, uh, Ross Edmorton, uh, Kevin Dickinson, Dave Victor and Barry Galvin. We'll be back here at 6 o'clock next week with another edition of the Orient Hour. So uh, Ross joins us for uh, a little bit of uh, extra time here on the uh, Orient Hour and uh, we've got a couple of questions. Uh, Les Kay on Twitter um, asks, a uh, question for Ross, with only five on the bench, uh, there is a large part of this squad who, who don't get a look in, um, including the, the new boy uh, Levi. Um, how hard is it to keep them all focused and, and happy not to be playing? I suppose the point is they aren't happy not to be playing, are they?
3: And, and you should expect them not to be happy as well. You'd be, I think you'd have a problem if they... Um if they were content with not being in the squad. Um, it's a number of things really. I think it's one of its recruitment to make sure that you're recruiting the right personalities so that they're not they're players that understand the decisions and respect the fact that the team are in good form and, and understand why they're not perhaps been selected. I think that's a that's a big, big part of it. And I think someone who epitomizes that is Alex Lawless. He's been in, he's been out, he's played, um, and then found himself out of the squad on a couple of occasions, but he's the right type of personality that when he comes in he continuously keeps himself in the right shape. I think uh, it's a huge part of our week that, um, for instance, on a Monday morning when the boys come in, the ones that have played on a Saturday are still, there's elements of recovery in, that, they're, that they're going through. So they don't train at that real uh, full pelt, if you like, on a Monday morning. They, they train and they work. They go in the gym and they do some basic ball work, but it's not real intense training. So part of that motivation will be the work that we do with, those players that haven't been in the squad so they work in a small group um, and they have to get their physical outcomes but it's about trying to make sure that the sessions are inventive and exciting and keep them energised and and give them that little bit of a lift, I suppose, to get them going again and, and focusing on the next game because they have to focus on that because so many things can change so quickly.
1: Well, I mean, it, 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 I suppose it shows a little bit with uh, someone like Matt Harold and Matt yeah. Harold's come on. I mean, he didn't, wasn't able to continue his runner scoring every <laughs> seven and a half minutes of <laughs> yeah, Brisbane yeah. Rogue this season, but, but he came on and he, he made, you know, it, 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 he has in those previous games come in and hit the ground running.
3: Yeah, and we're very fortunate at the club that we've got... Um, you know, some From a sports science perspective, we've got some really good staff, uh, Emma and Mike, who um, help us prepare those players so that physically they get the outcomes that they need, that they work on the levels of sprinting that they need, You know, the distances that they need to cover in order to try to replicate the intensity that they're missing out on by not being involved in games. And Matt Harold is one of them that, a bit like we've touched on earlier with James, Alex Lawless, that come in and work properly and, and have the right attitude to Get what they need, um, but then you know keep themselves going and, and, and get the you know, put the put the energetic work into being ready. So as soon as it's changed or as soon as they're called upon, they can come in and they're physically capable of doing it.
1: Well, um, I think it showed with um, Matt Harold was doing a, a warm down routine yep. after the game yesterday, and there was a lot of there was a lot of um, work. It, it seemed to me a lot of work on was it the calf or the groin and the, the hamstring gri- yeah, so where the boys are holding. Yeah yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. So they're like um, they're exercises that give the boys a little bit more strain and, and, and you know, push their hamstrings through for a certain range and certain movement to make sure that they, you know, it's an area that's continuously developed. Um, sometimes after they've been fatigued, that they've worked or they've played or they've run. And what you'll also see is like, for argument's sake yesterday, Al Lawless, Levi and Ruel were not involved in the squad. Um, they run before a game so that they they're topping up all the time. So sometimes they do it before. Someone like Matt would do it Afterwards, um, if we play on a Tuesday night game, we still train on a Wednesday morning, so the boys won't run before or after a game because they're being on a Wednesday morning, and we can work them intensely um, to give them again those physical outcomes that they need to be prepared. And 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 it's and it like I say, it's not just about getting physical outcomes from training; it's about preparing everybody mentally so that they're they're in the right mindset if they're called upon to get back in the squad and, and perform like Matt has done when he's come on.
1: Um, Charlie Lee was quoted uh, in uh, George Sessions in the East London Advertiser this week saying, uh, We're not allowed to bet on football. If we could, I'd never bet on this league. Uh, we go back into the changing room after every game and look at the results, and you have to laugh because there's no way you can guess some of them. Uh, every game you have to take on its merit. There are teams who overachieve on days and then some who underperform on other occasions. So you just need to be ready to perform as well as you can, and hopefully that way you always pick up points. I mean, is it. We talk on this. It is an incredibly unpredictable league because yeah. I don't think anyone would have predicted necessarily Harrogate to be leading the, no, the league right. at this stage. And there's many people who would have hoped for Orient to go 11 games undefeated. Is
3: yeah, no, and that, as well. that's um, that's really positive that that these clubs like ourselves that are still unbeaten because it, you know that randomness that's in the league. It shows that you know we can put together a good run of consistency. So I think certainly that I think there's a lot of teams that have started the season well, but because two or three of us have started extremely well, it's um, probably dampened down some of those some of those teams that are probably happy and content with us with the starts that they've got off to. But there is a lot of that. I think there's a lot of um, little bit like you know some of the points that we touched on earlier in terms of the underestimating at times what what the league can be about the brutal the brutal fixture program that comes with it I think it's 14 games before the end of September you know we're very fortunate we've talked a lot about the quality and of the squad and the personalities within ours but if you haven't got that the randomness can can come even more because you haven't got the luxury of pulling people as we found out last year you know to our own you know, with, with some of the negative results that we had so I think that has, that does play a big big, big factor and, and, and I'd say I think it's a you know, massive thing for, for Harrogate to do what they've done there are well-backed club um, in terms of the you know the some the, the of the quality of the some of the players that they've got there and and the money that, that that they put into to their playing side of that that probably goes unnoticed sometimes because it because it is Harrogate and we all don't know a huge amount about them I think it also shows that thing of momentum again that that we've talked about but a team that have had success last season coming into a new league often you find that you know some teams that go from the National League to League Two they have that. Extra little step when they go up to continue with that momentum. So that's probably be a, you know, another big, big thing that Harrogate have got on their side, and they've managed to hang on to.
1: And we were talking about obviously the, um, earlier in the show some of the guys who, you know, you've got the substitute guys pushing on the people who are in the first team and people out the squad pushing them on. Um, we saw James Brophy and uh, Sambling yesterday were just yep. behind uh, the dugout. How close are we looking for those two?
3: Very. Um, probably more James in terms of how close James is is now Um, he trained what days was it it was Wednesday and Friday last week he trained um, fully with the rest of the group where we didn't need to hold him back or pull him out obviously he's not at the levels of fitness that he needs to be or sharpness should I say um, to, to be ready to play but we've got a reserve game coming up this week and we're Really, really hopeful that James is going to play good amount of minutes in there to give him that opportunity to be, I suppose, up for selection, if you like. We'll see how he comes through that first period of time. Uh, Sams has been a real stop and frustrating one for him. I think he felt probably just before we travelled to Halifax that he was nearing a return to being in the squad. He actually came into training um, for a day or so this week, but was still suffering with a amount of pain in, in, in the injury that, that he's picked up so it's been a bit stop starting frustrating for him he'd come out with me and done some extra work on Friday just to see if he could push it onto that next level and he was still suffering some discomfort so we're hoping that that might have settled down over the over the weekend with some additional work that he'd been, he would have been doing um while everybody else was preparing for the game, and hopefully he comes back in tomorrow, you know, a little bit closer to being back in training. But he's probably a little bit further away than, than James Brophy at the minute.
1: And uh, and Big George, are oh, we looking at a couple of weeks? Yeah, I think so. We're
3: probably up to about five, six weeks now with George. I think the estimated time well, was five, was six weeks uh, further from now. From no, from when from he, was injured, from he was injured. Sorry, and, and then um, I think the original estimated time was about eight, nine weeks that he would have been back into training. So we're nearing seeing him we've seen him out every day running a lot more with the, with the physios um, in order to get him a little bit fitter and to put his hamstring hamstring through that strain to see how um how much more it can take and that'll continue to to increase and hopefully if he continues on the right path then we'll start to see him nearing nearing the squad in the next couple of weeks
1: and uh, well it has been an <coughs> unchanged starting eleven for the for the last seven and it's a difficult balancing act isn't it because you can't drop some of these players, but you've got guys like James Larby, We saw yesterday. Dale Gorman. They're fighting to get in the team, but it's a winning team. You can't. Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? It's, it's a catch twenty-two, really.
3: Very much so. And you don't want to just force change just because someone's not at a run in the team, or you want to get somebody on the pitch. Now, sometimes tactically, you might be going away from home, and you might be playing in a you know against a certain team with a certain strength and. Dal Gorman might suit being in the team over somebody else. And you know, likewise with, with Matt and Josh Caroma, James Alabi, those sorts of changes might become a little bit more realistic because of the, you know, like I say, from a tactical perspective. But when you want to run like this and people are confident and we're scoring goals all over the pitch and we're we're defending, defending in the manner that we are, there's no reason to change it. And I think when you look at um, teams that have success and go on runs like we have done this season, that consistency seems to be in place. You know, they don't seem to pick up as many injuries, or they don't have that real batch of injuries like we had last season that, that set them back. Leicester, when they had their success, they had a consistent team, and I'm sure most weeks you could have picked, you know, ten of the eleven that were going out on the pitch. I remember in the year. Where, that that we lost in the playoff final here, I remember talking to to Nuge at the start of the season and saying, how do you think you'll do this year? And he said, we've got a good group. If we can keep them fit and keep them, then we've got a good chance of success. And then what happens on top of that, obviously we all know where that got to. But I think, you know, for people to familiarise with that, I think if you've got a consistent team out on the pitch each week that are performing to the levels that that we are at the moment, the, the, the team picks itself, if you like.
1: Um, Paul Fish on Facebook uh, got in touch to say um, expectations are running high now um, we will uh, hit a rough patch at some point probably could yeah. go the whole season undefeated you don't know uh, is there a plan to manage that and keep things in proportion I mean talking not just in case of a loss but is there I suppose it's quite hard to dampen things down at the moment when you're on a run of 11 undefeated
3: 100% I think that's where we're really fortunate that the gaffer has been through that success in terms of getting out of this league he's under you know he, he's had that experience of, of of a team having success so therefore he would he can call upon that experience at Newport as to how you manage people's expectations I think this is really key times where people like Joby McEnough Josh Coulson James Dayton a number of others who have had success of perhaps winning this league or winning other leagues or having success of, of getting promotions that they can help manage the expectations and not let people carried up, get carried away. We have to enjoy the fact that we're so many games unbeaten. We can't talk it down. You know, I keep talking about trying to aspire to be more and get better and build on what we've got. We want to do that, but we have to enjoy the fact that we've had such a good run. The answer to the question is we don't plan for what happens when it goes wrong. The the, the you know, cliche that that you know is probably relevant at the moment is 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 this about the next game? I had a text on Friday night so asking me if you beat Barnett tomorrow it sets up a really good game away to Harrogate no it was about the Barnet game let's beat Barnet, then we'll worry about what happens in a good away game and a big game in the league against Harrogate next week we've done that now our focus from now to the weekend is about trying to set up a plan and a structure as to how we go away to Harrogate and, and and get a result there so it's a as much as it's cliche and probably not the answer that people want to hear it is about the next game obviously we have a view in our mind of knowing that when we went to Chesterfield we had a period and a series of games coming up with all teams that were in quite good form we knew that that was part of what we were coming into but it is for us look at the next game try to win it now if that goes wrong and we get and we don't continue the winning run then we'll address it in the manner that we need to and you, you analyse that particular performance to make sure that you're ready for the next one um
1: and something I wanted to ask about, and it's a it's a weird sort of um, thing with kickoffs in in the national league because there seems to be this common thread, and you <laughs> notice it watching a lot a lot of orient games from last season, this season. From so kickoff, the ball's passed backwards. It goes to someone who's acting almost as if an, and an NFL quarterback, yep, yep, and yep. the ball's booted towards one of the fullbacks, and then that's how the game starts. It's a couple of times I've been surprised it hasn't happened. Is that something that's prepared and what's the logic with that? I think
3: sort of thing? Um, it's discussed, probably not prepared, but it's discussed in terms of, we were talking about earlier, wasn't we, about how we've started games. Now, getting it and kicking it back to the other team isn't a method that anybody would particularly say is the right way to go about it, but I think it's an opportunity to get into the opposition's half to try to put them under a little bit of pressure if they misplace the header and it goes out if we kick it and it goes out and they get a front it gives us a chance to get them in an area of the pitch where we perhaps compress them and try to win the ball back in their area of the pitch and I'm sure that the motivation from, from other teams is to try to put you on the back foot a little bit so I would probably personally want to start the game and us to have the ball and work our way up the pitch but I think it's probably like a bit of a mindset really that, that, that you stumble upon by being in this league of right let's not put ourselves under any needless pressure Let's not try to pass it across the back and build an attack, make a mistake, and then all of a sudden we're defending from from our own kick-off. Let's put the other team under a little bit of pressure and it gives us a chance to sort of build and try to get some momentum on the other team.
1: Um, Neil Irvine on Twitter. Uh, question for Ross. Uh, is it true you were a fan of the club and still are a fan of the club? And uh, if so, what is your earliest O's memory and most favourite Orient moment that you've witnessed?
3: Um, I... Oh God, for, I remember my dad bringing me to a Chelsea Orient game here, uh, here at, at Brisbane Road at the time. Um, but I haven't got an outstanding memory of my first game, but it, the club was always something that my granddad followed. Leighton Orient, my mum's grandson, my great granddad who obviously I never met was, was a huge Leighton Orient fan and and at his funeral the, 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 the procession started outside or the stopped off outside the ground and in in terms of you know him having that memory around the club. So it's always been a club that's and, and being here has been part of my family. Um and then obviously I started to go on football camps and the football and the community, you know, courses that they ran. So from the age of sort of six or seven I was always around the club if you like and obviously and then when I left school I started to coach and I played for the club as a centre of excellence player from the age of 11 and got released at sort of 15 16 so I'd always been around the club I had a Barry Earn season ticket you know all those sorts of things so I haven't probably got one outstanding that was my first game this is where I went like I so I remember my dad bringing me to to watch a I don't know it was a friendly or whatever it was really as a you know as a real youngster but I'd like say more, more sort of a, something through the family that's evolved rather than um, rather than one p- particularly outstanding.
1: And uh, I just wanted to to get your comment. I mean, um, David Mooney's now left the club, yeah. um, having party company with the club. Uh, I just want to get your comment on on Dave and, and and the reasoning behind why why that was done.
3: I think um, Moons would be the first person to sort of hold his hands up and say that the season never worked how any of us wanted last season. Um, but for him personally, he probably never got the goals and a run in the team on a regular basis, probably throughout last season, other than the very, very beginning when we started quite well last year, he, he, he never had a real consistent run in the team. So um, that was obviously frustrating for him and, and like I say, collectively for us. Um, and then obviously since, since we started to build, as we mentioned last year for this season, they found it hard to get in and around the squad and in and around the team. And I think it was certainly something over pre-season. He never got as, as many minutes on the pitch because we, prioritised is the right word, but we looked at the players that were going to be, we felt in the team or in the squad on a regular basis that that were ahead of of, of Moon. So it was a difficult position for him and, and for us in terms of at his age, him being in and around the the group and and outside the squad and not playing a great amount of football would have been very, very difficult in terms of his motivation at his age to, to keep coming in every morning and doing that. So I know it's something that sort of developed over a period of time and it was discussed really between the staff and the club that, was it right for for dave to to move on because we were, didn't feel as though he was going to get the the time in the team or in the squad to to have an opportunity to play his way in we've got i think it's shown already that the strength in that area of the pitch <coughs> excuse me um the boys are, are performing well and and it would be he would be another one of those that would miss out he was never n- never was and never will be one of those players that come in every day and had a sulk or or didn't do things right he always worked hard and done things right in training, but we just felt that at his age, it was going to be a real tough challenge for him to continue to come in every day without that motivation of, of actually getting in the team.
1: But do you think he's still got something to give at National League level or National League South level?
3: Yeah, I think it would depend on the team. I think we all know the type of footballer that Moons is and, and you know the qualities that he's got. I think you need to be able to give him the ball into his... He's not going to... Although he's a willing runner and a willing worker, it's not... Something that jumps out as one of Moonsy's real strengths. You he, he need to give him the ball when he needs to work in the final third and come off of people. And, and you know, he's got a good touch, and he'll he'll bring other people into the game. And, and I think you would if if he were to continue to play in this league, Moons would need a, a team that were going to help him, you know, get into the game like that. And I think it was something probably that he found hard here. We play with two out and out centre forwards and we really put a lot of responsibility on them to work hard and running behind and press the opposition and it was something that we, we, we didn't feel that Moons was going to be able to deliver for, for us in that system but I, I, I certainly do think if, if, if he could find the right club and the right, the right style of play that, that he's got the qualities to go and, to go and play.
1: Well, just time to thank my guests for tonight, Ross Embleton, Kevin Dickinson, Dave Victor and Barry Galvin. Uh, Special thanks to uh, Ross for this uh, extra little section that he's done. Uh, To Andy Gilson, Paul Golder, Steve Roach and Elliot Byrne for making the show possible. Uh, To all you out there for listening in as well. As I said, we'll be back next Sunday at 6 with another edition of The Orient Hour.